0: Welcome back to the Free by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evan Williams, and this is episode 11. and discomfort can bring about invaluable personal growth. Travel is a great way to expose yourself to these types of experiences. But as everyone's different, what is a challenge for one person may not necessarily be a challenge for somebody else. So experimenting with different types of experiences is so essential in finding what works best for you. On today's episode, I speak with Ali Denham and Ish Simonson, We all met by chance at a restaurant in San Cristobal. They're currently both traveling by bicycle here in Mexico. It's an experience that will no doubt challenge them in many different ways, and as a result, bring about a lot of opportunities for personal growth. The conversation that I had with them flew by so fast for me because, well, I enjoyed it so much. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Ali and Ish. Enjoy! I'm here with Ali Denham and Ish Simonson. Uh, we're in a bit of a chilly San Cristobal just now, um, and we all really just serendipitously met over lunch um, earlier today. So, I know that you guys don't have a whole lot of time in San Cristobal, so I'm so grateful that you're making time for, for being on the podcast. You're mm-hmm. totally welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, welcome Ali and, and Ish to the podcast. Cheers. Yes. Cool. So let's start with um, just some quick basic stuff.
1: Um, Ali, where are you from originally and what brings you to San Cristobal? So I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and I've been traveling over the last two years overland on my bicycle from Patagonia up to Mexico. So yeah, two, two years in, and roughly one year left, well, up to Alaska. That is incredible. And Ish?
2: I have a bit of a different story. I'm from New Zealand, not Australia. You've um, <laughs> got to get my, that point uh, out yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Let's be not, clear. It's not the same <laughs> place. There is an ocean between. Um, I quit my job five months ago to just come travelling in Central America. And my first stop was Panama. And in the first place that I stayed, I met Ali. And we just kind of became friends. And we've kind of been stalking each other ever since. So I don't travel by a bicycle up until tomorrow. I travel by regular means, just backpacker style.
0: That is incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. It's and like that was like such an organic relationship and, yeah.
1: and connection as well. So that is so cool. Yeah, um, I think I've just had more than ten opportunities to convince Ish that she needs to try traveling with a bicycle. Yeah. So. It's been a six-month process to get to this point. It's, <laughs> it's not just away. an overnight thing. Sure. No, yeah.
2: it's, never, it's never that I didn't want to. It's always that I was like, no, I've got other things I have to do, like learn to dive and go to this place that you don't want to go to and be a backpacker. Because I love being a backpacker too. So yeah. I'm kind of giving up that little phase of travel for a different mode.
1: Yeah. It was on maybe in your top ten mm-hmm. experiences that you wanted to have, but mm-hmm. it was number ten and now it's number one. Yeah. That's great. The bucket list. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely, I worked it up. Worked it up. Nice.
0: Uh, I'm really inspired by what you've done um, to actually make room for this adventure. Uh, Could you talk a little bit more about like what you needed to do to actually free yourself up?
2: Do you mean for backpacking or bike? bike
0: For for just like the general travel to actually get you away from New Zealand and, and over here.
2: Yeah. Well, I, after this, I'm actually moving to Canada. So I have this visa, the working holiday visa is two years for us. Um, so I always kind of knew that I wanted to do that, but then I wanted to do something a bit more wild. So the process of leaving everything behind was quite different for me because in New Zealand, I'm a psychologist, which is quite a serious job and there's quite a lot of responsibility. People rely on you. So I found that pretty stressful. So I quit that, sold everything I owned essentially or gave it away. And pretty much everything I own is now in my backpack, which I'm about to send away, um or at my mum's house. <laughs> Thank you mum. um yeah, so I guess emotionally I always kind of was committed. it was actually the the logistical stuff was much harder than the emotional commitment to
0: leave okay it, the, the logistics was harder is it? Mm, I do oh, think it was harder interesting yeah. most so people everything
2: and yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I I found it harder to part with the sentimental things for me, like the logistics, I was, I think I was so prepared mentally to just get rid of things that Mm. it was just, it was one of those like emotional things came up that was like, oh no.
2: (laughs) Definitely harder to leave the people and the lifestyle than it was to leave the stuff. I just don't care about the stuff anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Ali, your backstory is, I guess, sort of just as
1: impressive, no? Yeah, I guess (laughs) it's a little bit different. So when I was 18, I met a guy who I went travelling with by bicycle. Mm -hmm. And during that trip, we both convinced each other that we wanted to cycle from Europe and back to Australia. Oh, wow. And the circumstances changed over the years, but we always talked about doing this trip. He ended up meeting someone he loved and having a baby. And I knew that I always had to do this trip as well. So I had a girlfriend at the time. I told her that I was planning on doing this big overland adventure from Europe to Australia on a bicycle. And if she wanted to come, she could think about it. But if not, we could meet up along the way. We could work something out. Anyway, about six months later, she told me that she really wanted to come. and so. In 2012, we ended up selling everything, doing exactly what Ish has done, um, and cycling on a tandem bicycle from Europe all the way back to Australia.
0: Really, on a tandem. Yeah,
1: wow. all on a tandem, <laughs> um, which was an incredible experience, and the tandem like kept our relationship together because I'm quite a strong cyclist. Um, I've got a lot of experience cycling in countries all over the world, so. For her to be on the same bike as me meant that nobody was ever waiting around. And when we were in really hectic cities like Istanbul, I was able to take the bike by the reins and navigate through the traffic really well, whereas that stressed her out a lot, being in cities on a bicycle. So it was a really good solution. But yeah, basically, I started a website for that trip, turned it into a job after about two and a half years, and now I'm up to seven years of... Traveling and documenting and sharing information about all of the bikes and equipment that I use. It's amazing. Yeah. And
0: and what's what's been the motivation to choose Argentina to Alaska
1: for this, this journey? I've just always wanted to do really big bike journeys and I think there's something really, really nice about not having to rely on other means of transport other than your own. So Doing a trip from Argentina to Alaska, it's actually the longest bit of land you can follow. Um, So it's actually longer than cycling from Europe all the way across to East Asia. Really? Yeah, and it's longer also than Cape Town in South Africa all the way up to like the Arctic. Arctic Circle. Yeah.
0: Well, wow. so like all the way up through like Scandinavia. Yeah, wow. it's the
1: longest continuous bit of land. Yeah. That's incredible. So, I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, and like doing it in one piece also allowed me to like zigzag all over the continent and visit all of these different places that I've always wanted to go to. Yeah. It's a vibrant part of the world. Absolutely. Little, we're
0: very lucky to be here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And and each um, your so you said your journey starts on the the bike travel tomorrow, really, here from St. Christopher. How far (laughs) are you going to go? Are you going all the way to Alaska, or what's the plan? Oh,
2: I wish. No. (laughs) Um, Well, we're going to go to Mexico City together. Okay. Um, I totally would like to go further, but as I mentioned before, I have this visa in Canada, so I have to be in Canada by a certain date, which is the 14th of February. So we're going to have to make it to Mexico City by about the 12th, latest. And then I have to sell my bike gear that I can sell. We've
1: luckily got a friend in Mexico City. We so do have you, a friend, who, yeah, yeah. We can rely on <laughs> <bit for you>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd be
2: nice to spend a bit of time in Mexico City as well. Yeah. So we have to get there and then I have to fly to Vancouver, Canada to activate my visa. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going to be based in Vancouver? It's beautiful city. I don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) That's exciting. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So I think I'm going to go and do some skiing first and then probably end up in Vancouver for the summer. But I just don't know. You just can't plan. We just can't. Look at at this. I'm going on a bike trip. I've gotten into a bad habit of just not planning either. It's it's
0: so good though. It's so good. It's the best. So I want to kind of, I want to talk a bit more about the long distance cycling. Um, What, what originally, I, I know you kind of provided the story of, like, how you originally got into it. But what was, like, the underlying
1: drive? What really motivated you to take that jump? Um, so do you mean, like, what is, like, why travel by bicycle? Yeah, like, what would you say would be the, the like, the
0: underlying main driver
1: for you okay. to do what you do? Um, so I'm an endlessly curious person, so I love learning about anything, whether it's from the natural world or about history or art or culture or meeting new people and understanding their story. Um, I just love putting all the pieces together um, from information all over the world and trying to make sense of it. And so that's the travel component. But then in terms of the bike component, I just think it's the best way to see the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm traveling under my own steam, which, Gives me a lot of satisfaction knowing that I'm crossing continents on a bicycle, but also being on a bicycle exposes you to all kinds of people that you would never normally meet. So, heading up into the mountains, we're going to be in tiny little Mexican towns where people almost never see tourists. They'll be like, "What the hell are you doing here? How did you get here on a bicycle?" You know, we're thousands of meters up into the mountains. They want to know where you're from, how you do it. Yeah you'll end up having tea with them or maybe they'll invite you in for the night. So it just gives a very different travel experience being on the bicycle. So, I don't know, there's like endless reasons why I travel on a bicycle and why I travel. I can't really distill it into one point. <laughs> that's fair enough. No, that's
0: all really great reasons. Yes. Yeah. And Ish, how about yourself? Like, what is it that's driving you to seek this more adventurous life?
2: I would say exactly what Ali said. Like that, it's just so, it's going to be so different. And I mean, I love I love backpacking and I love travelling and it's just so fun, isn't it? And yes. the curiosity part is huge for me as well. I'm, I love people and I'm so interested in what drives them in different parts of the world. But yeah, the bicycle component is exactly that. I want to experience that different side of the kind of the remoteness and also I really like the environmental impact as well like, I don't really like taking 12 hour buses everywhere mm-hmm. and flying everywhere not that I've flown on this trip but it, it's going to feel good I think to not need anything else but your own legs like and the food that you're putting in and that is quite I think quite romantic as well
0: yeah yeah absolutely I, I would completely agree with the adjective romantic mm-hmm. everything about it is just it's such a romantic uh, idea and, and project and just goal
1: and, and journey in general, mm-hmm. and um, then the reality hits, and, then <laughs> and winds and sand <laughs> and <laughs> river crossings yeah. and like camping the on feet. the side of the road, broken feet. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I love. I was reading on your site um, how you put it that when you're on a bicycle, it's it almost makes you more innocent and approachable. Absolutely. How has that shaped your your cultural experience?
1: well i'm just meeting people that i would never normally meet mm-hmm. so whenever you go to a tourist area everything has been tailored around the tourist experience so heading into these small mountain towns or small um, like desert towns it is you are stepping into someone else's life as it is like nothing has been tailored around the tourist experience mm-hmm. so it's as authentic as it gets and Depending on the type of person that you meet, you'll have a, a completely different experience as well. So you kind of Yeah, you like anything could happen. It's yeah. And I'm do actually. do you find that you're
0: actually treated differently? And not in like a good or bad sense, but just differently
1: when you're you're on a bicycle? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is that people perceive you as being very vulnerable. So When you see somebody, like to say a child, for example, who's by himself in a supermarket, you see vulnerability in that person and you want to help them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly the same on a bicycle where you've just crossed a really windy desert, rolled into a town, see this person and, you know, you just you have the desire to help, whether it's like to feed them or to house them and any extra experience that you can get back out of that, like understanding something about Australia that you would never normally know is the reason why you do it plus it, there's in like, an inherent good feeling about giving mm. as well
0: absolutely okay
1: that yeah that makes
0: complete sense i like the analogy of you know like seeing a child that's in that is in
1: need in yeah. in, in a supermarket i think that that makes a lot of sense yeah but like the reality for me is that i'm totally fine and right. like i'll be able to find food and, it's like a projection yeah the other yeah like. i People just find it very hard to put themselves in your shoes because they're not a cyclist. They're not necessarily really adventurous people. They're just living their lives in their small towns. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's that's pretty profound, actually,
0: um, as far as the, the cultural experience goes. Something else I wanted to talk about is your life strikes me as not only one where you bring in discomfort and uncertainty but you almost welcome it.
1: Yeah. So it's tailored around it. Yeah.
0: What what is it that you get from this uncertainty and this discomfort?
1: I think... I don't really know. I just love the unknown. Like, Uh I love waking up in the morning and having no idea where I'm going to sleep that night, who I'm going to meet, what I'm going to eat. It's, I don't know, it's exciting. Like, every day is exciting. Every single day is different. I have a routine in terms of like time I wake up and how many breaks I have during the day. But other than that, that's the only structure to my life. And I I absolutely love it. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, It's, it's something that I, I
0: have talked about on on prior episodes of the podcast and I, it is something where, and, and I've heard from other travelers, it's something where they, they feel complacency and they feel that they are not really growing as a person in that mm-hmm. feeling of comfort, uh, just things being almost too easy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, and like that's coming from a place of, of uh, privilege, mm-hmm. really. But to introduce that level of discomfort, I think there is a lot of growth and learning uh, there, so
1: I thought that was really interesting that you gear and you've designed your life in that way. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I don't know. It just keeps things exciting. Like I, I feel a little bit stagnant otherwise. Yeah, it's not that I feel like I'm too comfortable in life and I need to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. It's just purely the the sheer joy of not knowing what's going to happen that day. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like a um, like an example of what this actually looks
0: like in practice? Like a story, or maybe like. Um just something that happened that really
1: kind of encapsulates this lifestyle, this Sure, of, yeah. yeah. Um, so cycling in Iran, um, just cruising along a big highway, there's a van pulled over on the side and as I approach, a door opens and a guy with a big smile welcomes me, shakes my hand, he says, hello, my name is Mohammed, um, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm currently on my way to my holiday house, which is in the most beautiful part of all of Iran, and if you're ready, let's go. Wow. So, we did. Um, We (laughs) literally put our bike in the back of his van, we drove for six hours into the mountains, and we ended up staying at his holiday house for about four or five nights.
0: That's incredible. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And, you know, you learn everything about the Iranian culture, you meet all of his friends up in this town. The... This town is actually home to one of the rarest flowers in the world, so there are only two flowering plants on planet Earth, and people travel from all over the world just to see these two plants flower. So biked over it? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) that's impossible. They have a massive, um, like a a barbed wire fence all the way around it, and two full-time security guards. Wow. Yeah, it's like the. The flowers are so precious that they find it really, really hard to grow them in any other environment other than this one place in the world. That is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) So imagine cycling along the highway in the morning. You have no idea you're about to see the rarest flower in the world. You have no idea that you're going to spend four days at somebody's holiday house and learn all about the Iranian culture. That is brilliant. That's a great story, and it really does encapsulate (laughs) exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't get any more random than that.
0: (laughs) So there's another concept that I I, I always... I feel really passionate about. I feel that, as people, we are incredibly adaptable, Mm -hmm. and we don't really give ourselves enough credit. We don't even give ourselves enough opportunity to prove to ourselves how adaptable and resilient we are. I feel like this is something... um, that's pretty strong in both your lives as far as traveling and long-term, long-distance cycling. Um, how do you feel about this? And like, have you actually have you found it easy to acclimate in really extreme uh, conditions?
2: That's something I was thinking about the whole time. Really, I was just talking before about the adaptability, and yeah. that's something that I love about travel. Is kind of like testing your what you can be okay with like at home we're like oh you know like if someone pushes in front of us in line in our gringo life we're like oh, you know but if someone does that here you're just like oh, you know and I think it's like travelling makes you more like the, oh yeah well, that's fine yeah. don't mind like it, you just don't you're not bothered by stuff and you're way more adaptable when you're doing this kind of thing than if you're just living life
1: you question whether it matters yeah totally like if somebody pushes in front of the line and they've got a packet of chips at the supermarket it's 30 seconds off your life and it doesn't that doesn't actually matter Mm. so it just helps you reframe things I think
2: it's a perspective and yeah what can I be okay with you know like when you're trembling you're just so at the whim of so many different factors that you're not at the whim of when you're in your regular life um that it makes you yeah have perspective and kind of just be like oh well shrug your shoulders it's kind of fine
1: yeah Mm. yeah I guess I'm a little bit different in that I put myself in these extreme situations yes. intentionally and it all comes down to just experience so you know I've had experiences all over the world over the last seven years and I've worked out how to wrangle myself through all of those experiences in an optimal way and every time I have an experience that challenges me then I'll change something about how I approached it the next time that I go about it so having that Years and years of knowledge in terms of travel or just adapting to different conditions—that um, really makes a big difference in my life. Yeah, like it, it's getting harder and harder to be challenged. Yeah, it's well, that's that's a good that's a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely, because it's it's
0: almost like a muscle. Right. You know, if you don't work it, it's never going to get stronger. And. Mm. Yeah, it's we're in a, a very lucky position to, to be immersed into this traveling and this where we're constantly getting this, especially living somewhere where it's your language that you're familiar with that is your first primary language is not the language that's spoken. That I feel it always pushes me out of my comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's yeah, every day is a new challenge, is a new way of just becoming a stronger person. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. Um I want change topics to something a little bit more light. Um, I wanna talk about diet. We were talking about this before. We met at a vegan restaurant, and I think, uh, I'm just gonna assume that we all maintain a pretty clean diet. Uh, are you both uh, vegan? Yeah. Okay, so do you, um, each, do you have any concerns about the, the travel that you're about to undergo? Um, because I find it hard just traveling normally to maintain a clean diet and be like optimally nourished yeah. what do you feel is going to be like a big challenge for this this trip for you well I'm actually not worried because
1: <laughs> I'll be with Ali <laughs> <laughs> I'm your worried um, season <laughs> <yeah. laughs> veteran <laughs> he's got it
2: covered like you said before he's got years of experience um, I think that you can always find something and I think also um, not being too worried and kind of that, that, that attitude of adaptability is going to be really helpful as well like not worrying too much about, oh, is this, like, the perfect thing for me? Am I perfectly nourished? Or um, not even that, just, like, do I have enough of everything? I think you don't need to worry so much about that. It's just, like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. You know? Like, we'll just eat what is available and um, we'll always be able to find something. So Yeah.
1: When I first went vegan and started doing expedition-type stuff where you don't necessarily have supplies for more than one week in a row and... You know, I'm thinking about how how the hell am I going to be healthy, and try and carry like really really small packaged food along with me, and you know what am I going to find in these tiny desert towns to get me from one place to the next? Um, I, I was a little bit stressed about like optimal nutrition, mm-hmm. but then I just reasoned with myself. Am I going to die if I just eat rice every single meal for the next two weeks? And the answer is no. Like. You're going to become a little bit deficient over time but you can re-nourish yourself when you get to the next available point so realistically in mexico it's probably only one or two days where we won't be able to find you know some fresh vegetables mm-hmm. yeah um but there's a high chance we'll find canned vegetables mm-hmm. and if we can't find any of that stuff then there's tortillas and mm-hmm. you know it they'll we'll work it out work out a way to smoothen it out nice mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and
0: just with some of the research I was doing um, on your site, it seems like, and it's it's sort of related in the preparation and, and having uh, like the gear, like I know you carry um, like a filtration system for water. Yeah. I uh, This is something I've always had trouble with because as someone that really doesn't like to have a whole lot of stuff, how do you find a nice balance of having the proper gear enough gear to make sure that you don't get into a bad situation, but also maintaining like that
1: feeling of lightness that
0: you can travel pretty easily.
1: Yeah. I think you just have to put it in perspective, like I'm currently on a three year trip with 22 kilograms worth of equipment. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm carrying everything I'll ever need, it's it's really not that much stuff in the scheme of everything. Um, the the way that I've arrived at the current equipment I have is just from years and years of experience. So, I've broken ultralight sleeping mats, ultralight tents. I've gone through like really high quality water filters that are broken, and it's my equipment is a perfect evolution of all of my knowledge over time. Essentially, so what I have now almost never breaks. I can completely rely on it, and I know exactly the situations that it will be perfectly fine. That's great. And this is
0: what you're going to be taking
1: advantage of, yeah?
0: All this oh, yeah. information, all this knowledge. Oh, I'm knowledge. totally <laughs> here to <meet> up <laughs> Ali and his knowledge. <laughs> what are you most excited about for this trip? Oh,
2: I don't know. Like, to be honest, I'm such a blank slate. Like, I'm just excited for... to just have a completely different experience to what I've ever had. And I'm so excited to see how Ali lives as well because I only get to experience Ali in hostels. And, oh, well, on through top of volcanoes and as well, but through videos and through stories, but I'm just excited to see what he does and kind of learn and yeah, I'm just excited to like have a big challenge and have a sort of bum. I'm excited for all of it. <laughs> I'm just excited for the whole yeah, I'm just a blank slate for it.
0: For all of it. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's an exciting yeah. It's exciting And that's, right
1: now. That's the best possible attitude you could have as well. Like if you had certain expectations that were never going to be met because they're unrealistic, then the experience that you have is not going to be as fulfilling as if you're expecting anything. Yeah yeah I actually just recently spoke to somebody um,
0: that went on an extended trip and they didn't do nearly any research really mm-hmm. and and in a way, the way they framed that is that, they didn't have any preconceived notions of what they needed it to be, mm-hmm. what they expected it to be. Mm. They went in with a blank slate mm. and yeah. they were so much
1: happier about it. <laughs> yeah, it <was> incredible. <laughs> I, I think it's the best way to be. Like, just to mediate your expectations a little bit, you know, you want to have some idea of what it could be like, otherwise you're just completely naive to what you're doing and you might have a really, really bad time. Mm. But you do need to, like, bring the levels down just a little bit and be open to anything, yeah, absolutely, cool. Uh,
0: just a couple really wrap up um, points. Um, I just want to say it's you strike me as someone that is just always focused on giving back um, and, and you seem like a very humble person as well, so I just it, I 'm I'm really impressed by the, the content that you 're just willingly sharing on your site, um, which is called cycling about. Um, And even just agreeing to do this interview last minute, I know both of you guys, you're not here for very long, and it's a really cool town to explore. Um, So you guys are so generous, I really appreciate that. Um, But what I wanted to kind of wrap up on is um, future plans. I know um, we kind of discussed a little bit with you, Ish, um, that you're gonna be changing um, your, mm. your living condition your living situation moving to Canada is there anything else any like passion projects that you're working on or mm. anything with?
2: that's funny we were just talking about it
0: I have a bunch of New Year's resolutions
2: um, nice. and things I want to do I want to live in Canada in a really different way to how I lived in New Zealand one of my big goals for this year is to kind of get more into like environmental activism and, and kind of promote veganism and that kind of thing. So that's my going to be my passion project for the year. Um, but I just want to, yeah, do fun stuff and go on adventures, way more adventures than I usually do. And, yeah, that's going to be my
0: thing for the year. That's, that's awesome. That's so inspiring. I, in Canada... I'm, I'm always looking, I'm a, I'm a huge fruit fan and they have fruit festivals up there oh, in some, nice some spots. I can't remember exactly where, but there's a fruit festival I'll find Canada. them. I'll find the fruit festival. Believe it or not, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's in
1: the summer, not in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yourself? So, over the next nine or so months, I'll be cycling up to Alaska and then that'll be my three year expedition from Argentina to Alaska complete. Feather in the cap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'll likely go back to Australia um, for somewhere between 6 to 12 months because I love my friends and family. And as much as I love being away and travelling and having this life where I get to explore every single day, it is still really important to me to be with them. So my my aim is to stay for at least six months, Mm. but I know that I will get itchy feet in that time. For sure. And I still haven't been to Africa, so I've traveled most European countries, all through Asia, um, all through South America and North America, so my final continent is Africa. So I'd say there's a good two or three year trip planned, lightly, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> in my future, yeah. That's
0: excellent. And yeah. you're currently, you've been to five continents and what is it, 80 countries now?
1: Yeah, I think it's over a hundred. Over a hundred countries? Yeah, wow. it's pretty ridiculous. To and I'm also crossing it by bicycle, so nice. it's not like you just fly and do a little loop in a car and then keep going. Like sleep on a
0: overnight bus, wake up
1: in another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm exper- like really feeling those countries, <laughs> everything from the weather to the people to um, all of the the tourist areas as well.
0: Every little pebble
1: underneath the tower Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to work for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: The very last question um, that I I end really all of my interviews with is um, the tagline for, for the podcast is to cut the noise and make room for what's essential. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always so fascinated to find out what everybody feels is their essential. So the thing that makes you jump out of bed with a giant smile on your face and just get going. Um, so each, what is it for you that is like the, just like that underlying thing that just drives you and makes you jump out of, of bed and just inspired?
2: Mm, that's so hard. What a tricky <laughs> question. Um, I would say one of my biggest core values in life is, like, compassion, and the, like, the opportunity to experience compassion both for yourself and others, and to watch other people experience compassion in all those different ways, and I would say that is one of the biggest things for me, is, like, I can't wait to watch and
0: experience and show compassion today, (laughs) the best I could do on the spot. (laughs) It's, It's excellent, I mean, that's great, that's it's
1: such a, like a selfless reason as well. It's beautiful. Cool. And uh, Ali? Yeah, I I think we talked about what really drives me. It's that adventure, the unknown, um, the idea of taking a risk and seeing what the reward will be, but yeah, having no idea how it's going to pan out. But tied in with that is sharing my experience of doing that and then hearing about other people who have you know maybe they've traveled their whole life on a bicycle, but they've only stuck to the big main highways between towns, and then all of a sudden I've told them that they can go on all of these small tracks through Mexico and have a completely different experience, and then they do it for the first time, and their mind is just blown. you know I love hearing that kind of story come back to me yeah, that definitely drives me yeah I mean because you're you're basically helping to facilitate these experiences that you hold so dear. yeah, I think. I'm normalizing it in a way. Like Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, you can take more risks in your life and the outcome could be really, really good, could be really, really bad, see what happens. And I can almost guarantee doing something in that way will be more rewarding in the end. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) And lastly, any final thoughts from from either you guys
0: or if you want to share any, like, sites or social um, for
1: the how the listeners can kind of follow along on your journeys yeah sure so i'm cycling about on everything so it's cyclingabout.com cycling about on instagram youtube facebook Um, i've written a few books about how you can travel by bike as well as guides on buying the bikes as well so my website is really a portal into trying to live in a similar way that i do very cool yeah
2: (laughs) Mm. Oh, and I'm Eesh, E E S H with four underscores. You can just find me on find me on Ali's yeah. stuff, and totally check it out. Like it's so fun. The films he makes are so cool, and um, his Instagram is a really fun follow. So,
0: and we're gonna get you those 500 likes. Oh, find the road to Yeah, I love it, you guys. Yeah. I had such a great time chatting with you guys at lunch, and, and now, um, thank you so much for making time for the podcast. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Totally, awesome. our pleasure. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Apart from hearing some amazing travel stories from Allie, I was most interested in how the dynamics of social interactions change when you're traveling by bicycle. I've never considered this before. It's really interesting how a bicycle can break down social barriers by triggering another person's sense of care as they perceive the cyclist as being vulnerable in a way. It makes a lot of sense to me It also seems so raw and genuine as well. I also loved hearing about the changes that Ish made in order to make more room in her life for travel and adventure. This just shows that you really need to prioritize what's most important to you, because if you don't, then who will? I'm really excited to follow her adventure on social media and also to follow along as she gets more involved in environmental activism. It's so admirable. I'm also so grateful to have met Ali and Ish, and for the time that we had to chat. And thank you so much for listening. As always, keep cutting the noise and make room for what's essential. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss any future episodes, please subscribe to my podcast.